0: So it's a first book study of the Hobbit headed by Eloise. So it's if it's a disaster, we all know why. Um But I have the annotated Hobbit, so maybe I will be telling you about the fascinated uh uh fascinating um typo that existed for years before they caught it in nineteen sixty six. It's it's amazing. Um anyway. <laughs> um So this week we read Barrels Out of Bond and A Warm Welcome where roughly we have um, the the dwarves captured by the Elf and then escaping thanks to Bilbo and then they arrive in Lake Town and um, politics happen and they get food and it's great. So to lessen my burden, I will ask you to share with something you like liked from the the chapters this week.
1: Um, I mean they're fun chapters. The one note, it's a really small note that I that I found almost hilarious is that. Uh, uh, there's a mention uh, when Bilbo is like, "I really wish Gandalf was here." In once they're, you know, everyone's in uh, the Elven King's hall, uh, and he's like, "I wish Gandalf was here." But then it's like, but they all tr- like, but he, they all, they all trusted Bilbo, which is what Gandalf had said. Maybe that was what he intended to happen. And it's like, yes, Gandalf intended character development. So, <laughs> uh, I just. <laughs> Like, very meta-Gandalf in this, th- this uh, chapter.
0: I um, mean, arguably, that's always what he intends, because that's kind of also why he sends people yeah. on travels. He's like, yeah, you need that. Go grow up a little bit.
1: Also, his mention in uh, A Warm Welcome, where he's like, oh no, they took the road, and apparently the road is terrible uh, on the one side, so... I need to go find out where they are. It's just like I don't know. I find I find them amusing. Gandalf knowing
0: everything.
2: Um yeah, I liked in Barrels Out of Bond, uh I liked how they didn't romanticize the getaway. Um, I feel like in a lot of stories or films or whatever um you have say the character crawls through a tunnel or something like that and it's not bad at all it just happens but no they yes the the hiding the dwarves in the barrels was heroic and very clever but it also sucked for the dwarves and tolkien didn't didn't shy away from from showing that so i appreciated that bit i adore
0: when Thorin gets out of his barrel and he's like, How dare you do that to me? How dare you? And it's like, I mean you prefer to be in prison instead? I don't know, like
1: Exactly. I'm not usually one for the whole like um oh any mention of like warfare or stuff is like Tolkien, like reliving his World War One experience. But I definitely get the feeling that he's somebody who is known sick, tired, waterlogged <laughs> men with sore muscles and be like you gotta get up and help me here you know massage your legs and get them working because we have stuff to do there's something this is a guy who knows what it's like to be yeah in a mucky situation
0: yeah
3: you liked um i mean like i'm always struck by how different elf society is in Merkwood than in pretty much any other time we see elves in the legendarium and i know sarah has some comments on this so i'll just get my completely irrelevant one out of the way right now and that is that um as somebody who read The Lord of the Rings before The Hobbit, it's always like intensely funny to me to like backtrack and try to imagine Legolas, like weird, emotionless, Captain Obvious Legolas growing up in this vision of Mirkwood.
0: No, I have to do it again. I have to, to reread it and imagine that. <laughs> Maybe that's what Peter Jackson was trying to do. Like <laughs> <laughs> what how was legalism then? Yeah. Um, I don't really I can't really choose uh what's my favorite part. Um I think I kinda like uh like how they are welcome in Lake Town because it's the weirdest thing. It's like yes, I am Thorin Thrine and like Anthro descendant, uh the king under the mountain. And um like the reaction is like yes, that's super cool. It's like the story come to life but like political politically wise it's like they're probably bullshitting me but the the game will be up eventually and then with the not bullshitting they're like wait so you're just stupid now you're gonna find a dragon that i, I did not plan for that and in the middle of that you have like the elven rafters who are like uh i think we fucked up <laughs> how do we explain that to the boss <laughs> he's gonna be so mad um it's it's glorious it's just like this moment when you come into the hall and it's like ah this is this is a bit awkward. you're not supposed to be here, but yeah,
1: but apparently trade uh trade like uh ample trade does not mean an extradition treaty because they don't just get sent back. <laughs> I mean, they, pro- I mean, when else would that have happened <laughs> that they needed to extradite somebody to the Mirkwood realm?
0: That's fair. That's fair. But uh, arguably, They're... like it's it's more like a a situation of strength. It's like like the like the elves cannot physically force the dwarf back because they would have to fight the dwarves and the town townspeople and like even if the masters of the town would be like willing to turn their 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 other way to let the elves do that the elves still couldn't do that physically they would be overpowered by like the enthusiastic populace of the town i think i think that's what they explained they explained the solution to be like yeah i know your boss will be mad your king will be mad and i know we have a long-standing relationship but Too bad, (laughs) you won't have to live with them being mad at you if we really return the dwarves, so yeah, suck it up. (laughs) Um, Okay, so disclaimer, I had the craziest week so I I have very little notes, uh, if at all, Um, but maybe let's go back to barrels out of bounds of bones um and I don't know really where to start because you can pick up pick a lot a little bit of uh anything. Um I think one of the things that I hadn't realized personally in Barrels Out of Bond is how long they get imprisoned because I've always imagined it was like they're in and Bilbo immediately finds a way out. But no it's, it feels more like it's like at least a week or two of Bilbo just wandering around, being like, okay, I'm invisible, but how 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 do we get out of this situation? And it makes sense, but uh, I I found this uh, slowing down quite surprising because most of the slowing down of the story until now were really, um, like they were in actual places of rest. Like they were in heaven, like they were in the Shire, there's like in Rivendell. It's in Beyond's house, but here it's like, yes, they are not in danger per se, but they are not in the best place either. They're so like in, in prison, right? So what,
1: what are you talking about? It's bed and breakfast with locked doors.
0: Yeah, but without the tourism side, so it's a bit sad, you know? Like, usually you get a bed and breakfast to, to visit around, right? And they don't get to do that. And and Bilbo does get to visit, but he he has to steal his breakfast and figure out his bed every time, so.
3: I think it is interesting that, um, like, it's hard to tell how much time is passing at any given point in The Hobbit, even though it's theoretically possible to track that. Like, it didn't even occur to me to try and figure out how much time they are actually here when Tolkien says, you know, it was a weary long time, but what does that mean? But it's theoretically possible because you know that they leave at, oh gosh, is it the beginning of May or the end of May? Uh I think it's the beginning of May. So either way, you know approximately when they leave the Shire and you know that they arrive at the secret tunnel on Durin's Day
1: you all, so, you also know when they leave when they're at rivendell because it is a high summer
3: right okay so it's yeah so it's midsummer when they're in rivendell yeah. so like theoretically you can track how long the journey would take and figure out how long they were here but it sounds like it would be a bit of a pain so yeah, it's interesting that you're kind of left deliberately disoriented with regards to what time actually means, and I don't know, maybe that's on purpose. Bilbo loses track of what time it is, and so does the reader. Who knows?
0: Yeah, like this. Um, I I think it's also because Meowood in general has this timelessness to it like and like even if the elves have a like a nicer version of mirkwood Myak- in the sense that they still have some protection thanks to the great grandchildren of melian no not we're not going there again <laughs> but <laughs> um uh for reference on that see last week um uh, last week's podcast um but yeah, like it's still Murkwood, it still has this weird, this is not your place feeling. And um, how do you count days anyway? And it kind of reminds me, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of what happens to the fellowship uh, when they're in Lothlorien, where they're like, oh yeah, we stayed like a couple of days, and they come out and it's like, wait. The, the moon is the same than when we came in. It's been at least a month. What? And they they just didn't realize how long time, how much time had passed. So. So that just reinforces reinforces my my suggestion that there are some people, uh, from mm, million, and like doyes affiliation who are also in Markwood because Galadriel has that in her kingdom so you know um.
1: though I think I mean I think here it's it's actually kind of cool that there is such a distinction kind of between like it's it's subtle but we get a distinction between like how these elves are different from Elrond mm-hmm. and Rivendell. Cause the feeling is very different. You, there is not quite the same. Um, like there's magic, but it's not a, it's not a timelessness or a, you know, a good enchantment. It is a locking of doors and
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> stuff like it's, the Mirkwood Elves is a far more wild to for a lack of a currently better term, um <laughs> set of elves yeah, than it's, the it's kind more... of the, the kind of high culture of Rivendell and Memory. Right? I think oh.
0: it's far more antagonistic in a way. Like not actively actively uh-huh. dangerous, but they're still like very much yeah. we don't want you here. And if we have you here, we don't want you going wherever you want. We want control over that place. Sorry, Sophia, you were saying?
3: Oh, I think I really like the with what Jordan was saying about how this is like, quote unquote, wilder. Um, it's, it, it definitely is in a very like, you know, like, Okay, you know, like the literary trope of like the quote unquote savage. Um, this is playing into that because it's playing into all of these ideas of be- like what being close to nature means, um, and to be fair, it's not it's not that different from. Um, Rivendell, like both this and Rivendell have like revels of elves in the trees and elves is these sort of oddly childlike figures, Um, but notably Rivendell has like a hall, like a building rather than caves, Um, and our indication of high elf culture has, comes from the swords So what we're told about High Elves is like, they work metal because they made these really good swords and they're literate because they carve runes into the swords that only Elrond can read. And like, in contrast, you get this description of the Elven King um, in a great hall with pillars hewn out of the living stones sat the Elven King on a chair of carven wood. On his head was a crown of berries and red leaves for the autumn was come again. In the spring, he wore a crown of woodland flowers. In his hand, he held a carven staff of oak. So like his throne is wood. His crown is wood. His staff is wood. They um, fight with arrows, like they're and bows and arrows. They're not said to have like, they're not described as having, like, swords or um, signs of metal working. So they're very much being, like, coded as a society that doesn't work metal, which then goes back to the idea of, like, they covet treasure because they don't have precious metals of their own. They don't even use, like, normal metals.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's even some small stuff, like, I don't know. I guess if you if you really try to read deeper or like the really small hints we get like we get these elves hunting um you know and i assume for food uh not uh i'm tolkien elves are not vegetarians <laughs> uh, they definitely eat meat uh but like you know comparing that um to uh the fact that like the first mention of food we get from rivendell is bannocks right there's a certain type of agriculture um and and it's a different sense like just in the feeling right the the Merkwood elves are much more kind of in tune with the fact that they live in a forest they are a forest people and in fact it seems to be i mean i i ass- since they live in a forest i doubt they farm and they seem to trade so that i'm assuming they might be you know you know whatever they're gathering and hunting in the forest, they are probably also trading for that, or with that. For, you know, the wines and whatever that they are getting from uh, the men that they that they trade with. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of a... It's a very different type of society. I do really like the crown, though, because it really gives a sense of the... Like, they are in tune, like, they they are changing with the forest... And it's a different type of, like, I don't know, elven immortality or something. Like, it's, you know, they might not age, but they change with the seasons. And it's how they, like, track time instead of, like, but also just, like, yeah, if they don't have a golden crown, then your living crown is kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a neat image, I think. Yeah. Like, to me, it
0: reminds me very much of, like, uh, what I've heard of the fae world in D and D, where it's like you have region of uh, spring, there's a region of summer, and like the phase that travel between the two will change, depend like some fate change depending on season and stuff. Um, another thing is that because you're mentioning um, like the fact they have arrows uh, instead of um, like arrows and bows instead of uh, swords. And like all the wood aspect of the king, I can talk about two notes of the annotated version <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Um, so basically uh, those things you mentioned uh, uh, is very strong in fairy law. Um, so in fairy law, elf shot was a name given to arrowhead that was said were supposed to pierce the skin without leaving a mark and cause disease in humans so like they were basically what blame like when you had rheumatism cramps and bruising that come up from nowhere it was like oh you got health shot head shots um you don't know where it comes from and that's that, that's probably that um and the second thing is that the type of tree that um the the oak the, the the staff in particular is made of is oak and according to the notes oak is traditionally a sacred tree <coughs> apologies so it's associated with the druids and the groves uh, the groves of worship and in fairy lore it has a magical association when growing the ash and thorn trees, which are like other sacred fairy trees. And so uh, those two trees, those three type of trees, so like oak, ash and thorn, are like referred later in the song that um, this, the elves sing when they're pushing the barrels down. Um, so Thank you, annotated version, for like teaching me stuff about fairies.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um those well what you were saying about because you keep comparing Mercury to the Feywild, right? Um The Feywild is drawing from those same uh like British Isles sort of like fair folk lore. Um, that the Feywild Wild is like based off of. Yeah, I
0: I so, it's very-
3: mythologies and
0: yeah I suspected that much. Um, it's it's not surprising uh, because like even if they don't necessarily take from Tolkien directly, Tolkien really like channeled a lot of preconceived idea, like preconceived idea, of like the ideas that developed into fantasy uh, from which mythology you pick them from and stuff so it, it makes sense to me that um, world took inspiration from the same inspiration Tolkien had yeah. So yeah we talked about like the difference between the elves of Mercko versus all the elves in the legendarium.
1: <laughs> we well, we have... saw differences though the fact that there's one extremely big similarity has been completely missed. Did you, did you see it, Eloise? There are
0: elves? No, I don't know. Um...
1: <laughs> it's an elven king who lives in a forest, but he lives in a cave system, specifically. Um, I've, I've, I've heard it argued that he basically recycled uh, Thingol. <laughs> Yeah. Louise
0: well, made that argument last week actually. Because... Okay, yeah, okay. And, and, and okay good, you got there.
1: So that's yes.
0: basically where the head cannon that uh, some of Million descendants from like the two kids who were abandoned in the wood by the people of uh Gorm and kurfin uh, actually survived and made their way through people saving their lives or something to Thranduil's kingdom. Whether it's Thranduil himself or whether it's like his He, one of his counselors, we don't know. But, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. there is a million power in in Merkwood 2.2.
3: I mean, that extremely hot take aside, uh, it is like like Tolkien later in like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, I think, makes it canon that some of Thingol's house uh, fled to, um, yep. like, fled and then became the rulers of Merkwood. Yeah. So it's like some on, un- some some distant relatives, or possibly not. Okay, some ambiguous relatives of Thingol. Where like we don't know exactly how they're related. Are uh, that like Thranduil's dad is
1: one it's, of them. Yes, but but in this book he is not named. Yeah, in this book,
3: like single XP. <laughs>
1: right, he's more, he's more, but he's basically recycled most of his, like, what his, what, how he would describe Menegroth yeah. as, you know, the Merkwood realm. Uh,
0: yeah, we push the similarities further towards the, the fact that Mirkwood has this, um, <clears throat> Where you 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 are your mind is confused, and like um, at the same time there's like evil thing lurking in the shadows, um, which sounded uh, as Sophia pointed out last last week like um, the the borderland. Between the board like the the girdle of Melian, and like the evilness that comes from the mountains in the Silmarillion. this yeah. weird thing where like if you cross it, your chance of success and survival are very low because you're gonna go crazy. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Um, trying to remember because I sadly didn't reread uh the Merkwood chapter the enchantment on the river that's not specifically evil that's just like the normal magic of the river right yeah, yeah. yeah. cuz i was just thinking like you know uh doriath has that kind of two layers of like twisting uh magic to get lost in there's the like spider infested section and then there's the girdle <laughs> so you have to pass both and Merkwood doesn't ha- it doesn't have the girdle but it does have the spider section at the moment.
0: I mean, like it's... that's where the arc, that's where the like hot take came from. But yeah. maybe they yeah. did actually have the girdle, but we just never had it confirmed.
1: Well, the most girdleish thing they have is enchanted doors, and the fact that they're magic doors, it was just like it's super, super like, um, obvious use of magic, which I'm not actually all that uh. It's, like, the fact that uh, Lord of the Rings makes the point out that, like, elven magic is not considered, like, magic to elves, right? Everyone else, or, like, mortals think it's magic, but the elves are just, like, whatever. But just the, I don't know, very obviousness of the enchantment on those doors.
3: But from here, from Bilbo's perspective, it's magic.
1: Yes, though I am, I was like very curious uh, all of a sudden on this reading. Like, so how do they actually open the doors? Because they always make sure to point out that you like Bilbo can't, and it seems like most of the other people can't. So how? So what is the mechanism? Like, is it the Elf King himself that needs to open the doors or Who unlock them? Seems That's so. One
0: of the things he never figured out the whole time. There's probably like a little host of people like opening the door behind.
1: Or is that or there are enchanted keys? You need you need a specific key to open this and nothing else will do.
3: Tristan's hot take was, and I quote, they're just really heavy. <laughs> um,
1: but uh,
3: my hot take is you have to be politely introduced by name to the doors.
0: And that's how they open for you. They're like, oh yeah, I recognize you.
1: Though, speaking of magic, I was the one uh, I noted uh, the lack of the perfect invisibility-ness of the ring, which was something I just, like, the fact that his shadow it keeps being mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's not sometimes invisibility when it's used as a, like, superpower can be just, like, super OP. But here it's like, no, there's there's a lot of Possible danger in being permanently invisible—that he has to work around. Yeah, the fact that he still has a shadow is just interesting.
0: Yeah, he still has a shadow, and he still can be touched and felt. Yeah. Um, and I mean, as that's a result, he has to be careful. Yeah, uh, but things like that. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a bit like it, it's a, kind of to be expected with the ring, right? Because it's like, yeah, I help you, but not really. Like at the end of the day, the ring will like does what the rings want, like. And I don't think the ring would be super pleased with having a hobbit, a very mellow and not warlike hobbit, like not warlike at all hobbit, as a master. So. I wouldn't be surprised if the ring is like I want someone who's gonna kill people and enjoy it and eventually if Sauron wakes up that'd be great if we are reunited and live forever after forever and forever after in the perfect honeymoon <laughs> I mean like the ring strikes me as a as a mm, magical object that would want uh A more destructive
2: master
1: than
0: Bilbo is. But Um, But
2: just me. Yeah, isn't that isn't that why they gave it to to Frodo to carry because he was a Hobbit and he didn't have that like destructive nature like you said.
1: Uh. Well, it was more. It was already given. (laughs) They.
0: Yeah, but like oh. they also made the argument that uh, like I think it's before like the council, like when he wants to give it to to Gandalf, Gandalf is like, no, if it corrupts you, we can stop you. If it corrupts me, we are fucked. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, um, that's fair, it's a fair point, but still, ouch, I'm... you know, just saying, it's a bit <laughs> rude.
1: Um, yes, I guess I will just say here. I mean, this is cool. And it's a very interesting conversation of thinking how does the one ring act in the Hobbit? But the fact is that when the Hobbit was written, this was not the run this was not the one ring. This was a magic invisibility ring.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Um and it's cool. Um but that kind of that idea about the one ring wanting like its purpose being the domination of other people is not a thing that's like part of this story um and i think you know aside from the stuff uh, in the gollum chapter the references to the ring are not are not touched meaning the rest of this is original to the hobbit mm-hmm. right so you can't say like the shadow is because it's the one ring and yeah. it wants to be found or because um uh that you know it's not invisibility it's him being in the spirit realm yeah. um which is how it's described in Lord of the Rings. It's That's just the kind of extent of the magic? I
3: right. don't entirely agree. Um, it is really interesting to know that the, you know, aside from meddling with the Gollum chapter, Tolkien mostly left descriptions of the ring alone. But to me, the fact that he had the opportunity to change things is enough for me to feel comfortable analyzing comparisons between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings because I think sure. we can always read The Hobbit and possibly should always keep those two ideas in mind that on the one hand this was written with no connection to Lord of the Rings and so there it's important to note that it's not meant to match up in most places and also this was edited to line up more with Lord of the Rings and so if if we You know if we look at something and we're like this unintentionally lined up really well with rings then there's no saying that tolkien didn't also realize that and leave it in exactly that reason in my personal opinion
1: if anything tolkien is a master of making sentences he wrote have better have different and more elaborate meanings in later with very tiny retcons um like
3: actually though yeah That's the case a lot. It's really interesting.
1: Corey Olson talks about him being like the master of retconning and that one of the best things about him retconning is that he's a very careful reader of his own books. He usually do- does, it, even in the editing process, he, do- he often doesn't change, like he doesn't change wording, but he might change meaning by adding new information later. Oh. I, I will. I will say though, just you're reading about the One Ring about being wanting a violent master. I don't know that it wants violence. It wants domination. It wants a strong will. And frankly, maybe at I don't know. I don't know how it could. If the ring can sense time or not, but it has been. You know, it was content for the most part to spend a few millennia, You know, fort. You know, fourteen hundred years with Gollum. <laughs> um. And and also the One Ring wants anyone powerful. It doesn't just want Sauron. That's mostly a movieism. That's, um, that's why Sauron, That's why Sauron's afraid of anyone who has the ring, is <laughs> because anyone else could be just. The ring is just as happy if you dominate people as Sauron is. Yeah, I mean uh, another
0: thing that like, because you said, like, it was not first intentionally made like that. And yes, it can be read like that because Tolkien probably reread it and was like, yeah, it fits. Um, But if you read it as in uh, what Tolkien could have imagined, or like, why did Tolkien made it like that when it was not yet the one ring? um, You could also realize, you realize too that, it makes Bilbo's efforts and like even survival in this ca- castle much more like much harder. Like much more yeah. valuable. Because if you could just turn invisible and become a ghost, that's easy. You just go through a wall when someone passes through the thing. Like you can like go in front of someone and be like blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't matter because like they can't hear you, they can't see you, whatever, you're totally invisible. But if you have your shadow, and if you have, uh, if you have physicality still, to the point that you still have a shadow, like, it just tells more of Bilbo's capacity to be unseen, even when helped, like, he, he is re- just really good at that to begin with. Like, yes, sure, the elves do not expect to have an invisible habit traipsing around their halls, but he manages several days, at least, if not weeks, because, again, a very long time, um, while not getting caught. And he does steal stuff. So it's not like he doesn't leave a trace behind him. He steals stuff. He... Sometimes goes out and is almost crushed by the door on the way in or the way out um, He Interacts with the dwarves uh, That's so many times so many moments he could get cut Because the ring of invisibility is not all powerful. It's not like you're sleeping on and suddenly everyone Has no suspicion about anything happening, right? so So I think like even if you don't read it as even if you read it as the ring is just an in, a ring of in, invisibility at, at this point of the writing, it still has a purpose to, have t- to to leave this shadow and it still has a purpose to leave this uh, physicality to Bilbo, which is also enhance Bilbo's ability to, to, be, to be discreet and if you can survive even with an invisible ring in like a town basically without getting caught you have greater chance to not get caught by the dragon later on in the story so even if it's not a narrative tool of the greater lesson even when it's not yet a narrative tool of the Greater Legendarium as a one ring, it's still a, a very important narrative tool as you pointed out. I, no, no.
1: In fact, actually, like for me I feel I feel like the the kind of the shadow stuff actually it makes it almost more elvish or like fay. Right? It has that it kind of fairy tale like, you know, the fact that you could you know there you would still have a shadow at high noon or stuff. Um or yeah. that it doesn't work at when full when the sun is full um Hmm. i'd have to that was a few chapters back um but it's just is one of those kind of fairy tale things i feel like i feel like i want to i haven't ever read or fully read beowulf and i really want to because i know that's one of those elements that has come definitely from there as at least one of its major inspirations Hmm. there's a thief with an invisibility ring um Though I did really like his uh, yes, Bilbo now with Reagan in hand is now it's like full time burglary. Twenty-four <laughs> seven burglar. Um, and the fact that the there's a like, kind of threat, it's like, oh man, if he was stuck in here, he'd have to like be burglar you know, he didn't want to become that for the rest of his life. <laughs> Just to be
0: back to be a respectable habit.
1: Yeah, like there's a certain amount of like, yes, like burglar as his like you know the embracing of his Turkish side, and suddenly it's like, yes, I'll, I'll I'm happily to do that, but that you know too much of there's there's such a thing as too much burglariness. Uh, I also just was thinking about how much the fact that uh, uh the Elven King's halls are in caves, and I don't like. The fact that Bilbo's, like, three major adventures where he has to, like, get himself or himself and his friends out of danger all happen in tunnels is just not something I've thought of before. But Gollum. Okay, I guess the spiders. But I was thinking just Gollum, Mirkwood, and then later we'll get to Smaug. But all of them are encased in tunnels. And the fact that even they have to, they escape by going down. They have to go down and out the bottom. Yeah. There's a, going deeper into tunnels is a theme here. And I don't know what to make of it, but it is definitely a theme.
0: Yeah, it's like steps, uh, steps of training. It's like first, you try it while figuring out your ring. Second, you have your ring figured out. Now you have to also, like, not be caught by the inhabitants. And third, if you lose, a dragon eats you.
1: Third so, is the boss fight, where the game mechanics the all fight. come into.
0: Final. <laughs> um, so you have the assignment, <laughs> the midterm, and then the final. You know, like... And then you have your, like, diploma in burglary. Okay. So... Um, drunk elves, drunk elves <laughs> drunk elves so like a lot of the annotation which i love you know a lot of the annotation in uh, the drunk elf part is um what a slow coach is uh in america the more common most common term is slowpoke um a turnkey is a person who has a key uh, and blah 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 and it's very much like vocabulary based and i just love it it's really funny um because we're talking about drunk elves we have the tar which is a heavy drinker or drunkard um and then in the middle of that there's like a couple of notes about like so darwinian we're not really sure where it is uh it could be um in in Beleriand, um but it's also placed near rune uh in another map uh so it's good wine, that's all we can say, but um, it's been all over the place, apparently. Um...
1: Wherever there's good wine, there's Darwinian.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you become the best wine, you become Darwinian. Darwinian
3: is really more of a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's it, of
3: for being drunk.
0: Yeah. it's like the opposite of like protecting name in France. It's like you can only be named Champagne you you're from the region of Champagne. It's like no, you you can only be named Dorwinian if you're a really good wine. It doesn't matter where you come from. You're just Dorwinian just because you're a really good wine and it's gonna switch around.
1: It's um, it's it's the quality. Yeah. <laughs> there there's the, Dorian, yeah, it's not a place. It's a yeah. If if you are uh... Acknowledged by the board. The board of Dor- <laughs> Of Dorwin. <laughs> that you are the best wine. You are now Dorwinian.
0: Also, one of the things I noticed and that made me kind of laugh is, like, it's sort of implied that Trentville would not get drunk as fast on Dorwinian wine than his servant would. Like, it's a slight implication, I think, and I want to push it to the fact that maybe, thank like, When you know it's friend and that he has maybe ties to be to uh like um ah, cat's brain um of like a different type of elf and the elves. His that is a higher that is a higher elf. Yeah, so like oh. it's... It yeah. sort of makes sense, but
1: at the same time, I'm yes. not sure it makes sense. <laughs> there I mean it has both it has both connotations. It says it's both meant for the king's table and it's meant for smaller glasses, right? Yeah. Which is like So there's both like, I don't know, hell el you know, elves who have gone further west have stronger stomachs or something. But also the implication that they're probably they're basically drinking like vodka out of tankards. Right, uh, which is not—that's not how you drink that. The the you know, alcohol content is far too high for that.
0: I mean, that's not how you drink that, but don't judge them. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, so... I barely
1: drink at all. <laughs> so,
0: or maybe it's just that, um, like. The wine may like meant for the king, is like stronger wine in general. Like well, yeah, the
3: king better. needs the strongest wine because he drinks the most out of anyone in the kingdom.
1: But also probably the best. There's I don't know, right? He doesn't yeah. want you don't get you don't give the king weak wine, or watered no. down wine.
0: Not not until he's very drunk. That's the rule. You start with a good wine and you finish with the mean... good
1: wine. You know, this is medieval, this is uh, yes, oops, faux, faux, faux medieval times. So uh, there might, you know, medieval people didn't uh, actually drink water all that much because water was dirty. Beer was much better. Yeah. You drink beer all the time.
0: Beer is treated water mm-hmm. with
1: alcohol. Or wine. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, no, it makes sense. Um, I mean also like there's also another thing is that uh, about wine is that and I, I don't know if it applies to the elves obviously but wine used to to be kept. it didn't used to be drink just as wine it used to be to have spices added and honey yeah. and water and like which part of my french soul is breaking right now but at the same time you know it's just another culture but like um
1: but they would also have harder stuff for like parties and feasts right and this is the like this was supposed to be the wine for the like the highest like this is when they're breaking out the uh the fancy stuff right because it's there
0: for diplomatic envoys because it's very boring to hear them talk so you have to be a bit drunk um before you have to listen to them that makes sense
1: i do i do like them all um the elves really are uh you know we had elves teasing dwarves and in this and in this chapter we have elves teasing elves they are very um uh, as i've heard it called in like lord of the rings between hobbits hobbit tree which is you know your friends when you insult each other because the hobbits do it all the time to each other there's a certain like vocal quality where they can well, they gently rib each other, and here the elves are like, ha, "Yes, we can clearly see that you were so tired waiting for us when you have your empty you know wine glass in front of you."
0: Gally trying so hard to to look respectable. It it almost looks like um, like there's also a tiny age difference, like not big as much, not as big as it would be like, um disrespectful to tease him but just enough that galleon is theoretically supposed to oversee them but like yeah
1: no i I would say that he's probably you know a far you know uh master you know master of the sellers he's in charge he's you know i i guess age age is a weird thing to talk with else but a much more mature
0: yeah,
1: no. Elf, and these all to be, like, these are the equivalent of the young strapping lads. You know? Yes, I just, yeah. You know, all your job is to push the barrels out, and I don't care about lazy bums saying that the barrels are too heavy. You get them out the door. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's a really nice scene because it's like... I don't know. Because until now a lot of the non leader elves we've seen, I find, have been like a group. As a group they do that. And this seems a bit more personal. Like even though only Gallion is named, the fact that they they have there's a name in there um and there's like there's like a bit of a victim of the teasing and stuff uh kind of makes it like makes it more like oh yeah it's not only like elves it's like people right like we don't know much about those people we don't know much about (laughs) what the station in 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 the society is except maybe Except for Galien, but, but we know
1: his name. We know one of his vices. We know his best friend. <laughs> we know the workers he has for.
0: Yeah, you no, know, I mean, I mean the workers. We we don't know much specifically no. about the workers, but you know, like, we can guess that there's a a friendly relationship between the workers and guardian. It's not only like you are our boss and we have to do what you have you ask us to do. It's more like, yeah, you ask us for help. It's partially our job, but also, like, we'll help you because you need help. You know. And also, we'll tease the hell out of you because you were drunk on the, the king's
1: wine. Yep. I was just thinking, actually, we have, we have more character uh, details about Galleon than we have about most of the dwarves. Even some of the ones that get like character traits don't have. I don't know. Bomber is fat, but I don't know that he has more (laughs) details about him than Galen.
0: (laughs) It feels that it's. I think it's because, like, um, and I might be wrong and. If you have example of the opposite tell me but like the dwarves are seen through how they interact with bilbo more than how they interact with each other but here bilbo cannot interact because otherwise everything goes tits up so he has to witness and just tell us that's how they interact together right so it's a different form of characterization it's not nope. like characterization according to the main character. It's characterization accord like nope. between two very background characters in that case.
1: No, it's no. That's that's quite fair. Um, yeah, I guess actually that's an interesting thing. We don't get a ton of um background characters discussing with each other most interactions so far have been yeah, Bilbo, like, or Bilbo slash the company being talked at uh, by people. Um, I guess the trolls would be the ones that talk the most with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the fact that, you know, just the doors have been actively um, kind of Character light in order to not confuse us. Mostly, yeah.
0: You
1: know, yes. We I, and to be fair, by I mean we know hood colors. We know instruments. We know when they get grouchy. We get we get the fact that uh um, it might I it might have been mentioned earlier, but we get a re-mention that uh Fili and Keeley are Thorin's uh, nephews.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, here are in in the next chapter that we are reading as well. So. And that they're young, so. There are are hints, but they are few and very sparsely paced as opposed to, you know, this one character who just shows up for an entire scene and we actually get quite a bit out of. So. I mean, you know. In a similar vein, we get a fair amount, or at least some of the like, political thoughts of the Master of Lake Town Um, with him like, you know, I don't believe them but I can't exactly say no to all the people suddenly deciding to have a holiday because dwarves arrived. So, his his political savviness of like, (laughs) what do I do here versus you know, the elves are our best trading partner. We kind of need them economically so i can't piss them off Yep. so
0: no that's that's yeah. that, that's a very good point like mm-hmm. i think oh yeah that's what i wanted to say i think like it's, it's not a big analysis it's just like i really love the like little note of people who's like oh no the captain of the count's gonna be in so much trouble let's put the key yeah. back on his belt so at least he it- hasn't sp- like, lost the key, he just lost the prisoners. I'm
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, oh, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, make note of it because it's the probably the first instance of Bilbo being an honest burglar. Uh, that phrase will come back, uh, in the future, mm-hmm. so make note, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um
0: and also, yeah, as, as you said, Katie that, King, yeah, like the, it's not fun to be in Babels. And like this, uh, even like the movie version I find is, looks more fun than, than what's described here. Probably because of like the behind the scene where like it was actually fun, if, if very wet
1: uh some of those were fun (laughs) some of
0: but yeah like they, they get it's a bit claustrophobic uh it's definitely bruising not only for the ego of thorin but for like the body of everyone else um and like i think what struck me the most is how how often Bilbo is like, I hope they're not going to drown. I hope the leads are tight enough. I hope I didn't fuck up. Because like, I
1: mean,
0: mean, he's right, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it must it's it's, it makes you like the whole time you're like, oh, my God. But yeah, like, if the the light, if the lead are not tight enough, they're drowning and they can't escape. It's horrible.
1: That, yeah it's one of those like you know the Peter Jackson movies have them like open topped and they're all fighting and doing stuff but it's like one of those like oh it's just magic we will disregard physics cause you know if they get any water they'll sink right <laughs> or you know wood will kind of float but like barrels are air like those are casks for food they need to be airtight for the for, you know, especially for you know, don't want to get river water in your wine or your apples, that's a or your grain, like that's a one of those, you know sometimes a visual artist like, oh yeah, barrels with holes, and it's like no, there's no, there should not be holes that's a bad barrel
0: yeah, and even if it wasn't like river barrels, like, they are they're made to store food and food exposed to air just goes bad much faster. That's that's simple things. That uh, any person who tried to ever keep food longer had to experience really quickly. Covered food goes bad much less quickly than uncovered food. Yeah. So we could probably though, that out by then
1: though I did so comparing book to the Peter Jackson movie, I did suddenly realize why they had or you know, where they also got the um the fish scene in those movies. Cause that's the like equivalent of the like I don't want to smell apples ever again. I never want to eat an apple. And it's like, no, let's let's swap them full of fish.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Big smelly fish.
0: Yeah. Another thing too is again like it takes longer than I thought it it was going to take for them to go down the river. They have a stop. Like, so the babbles go, and then there's like an overnight stay, and then they are rafted together, and then they go down to Lake Town. It's not like, we Like, sure, apparently, according to Sarah Lynn's uh, testimony, the babble scene goes on forever, but it doesn't feel like, days forever it's like it's long because it's almost like
1: <laughs> it's it's it takes forever in the same way a D fight scene takes forever and yeah. that it is a small amount of time being shown in great detail yeah. exactly <laughs> where five minutes takes three hours
0: exactly <laughs> whereas like here like the dwarves are very cranky because it's been almost two days that they've been in those barrels. this is not the most comfortable experience i can i can can empathize with that okay um Anything else we want to talk about? Uh, barrels or like the um, the Elven town?
1: I had one small note about uh, the Elven song that they sing when they're pushing them out, and yeah, like kind of like the Goblin song. Um, there's kind of some. It's almost not quite as like onomatopoeia as the goblin song but the the way they like use bump like at the beat there's a there's a kind of bumping motion Mm -hmm. in the first part of that song as they like bounce as the barrels bounce down the trapdoor and into the river Mm -hmm. which just kind of is both fun but also is like thinking about dwarf being stuck in a claustrophobic barrel being bounced (laughs) into a river it's just like oh i'm that's rough that's rough
0: I think what's also interesting is that if you like it's another way to approach what the, the, the dwarves are going through by being bounced around in the barrels it's like yes he does like Tolkien does say like Jose bruised and Jose hungry and like how like they've been shuffled around the whole time but through the song he's also kind of hinted at that because he tells where like all the passage uh, the barrels go through to go to the town and you can't imagine how it can be bumpy up uh, a bumpy ride right it's like it goes like it's, it leaves a cavern it leaves a mountain and then like one line is past the rushes past the reeds as the marsh is waving weeds It's like You have a way to go like, And not all of it Is like smooth sailing You have rushes And it's like It's really like It's like three words in the middle of a song In the middle of a chapter Or like also scene. But it's like Yeah, have fun Enjoy the path Of um, passing the rushes in barrels. Ouch. Yeah. So are we good? to talk about Lake Town a little bit okay so after a miserable two day miserable two days in um, the barrels they eventually get to the town and It's the first time Bilbo sees a Lonely Mountain which is interesting because it's something that scares him throughout the chapter that he saw the Lonely Mountain and he apparently is the only one. Yeah, because everyone was in the battle still. Um. Then Thorin announced himself like the king of the legends, the dwarf king of the legends. And suddenly everyone uh, loves him and wants him to stay and be their guests. And, yeah. Um... I mean, the first part of the chapter is still about the barrels, but this time it's about arriving uh, and getting out of the barrels <laughs> and being miserable Um
1: It's a very fun like reversal of fortunes especially between the two halves of the chapter because the first chapter is just or the first part is just them all miserable and very grouchy <laughs> and starving and then they come into a big feast
0: yeah
1: and are cheering and uh stuff uh i guess i, I mean i will note that this the suddenly we have a whole bunch of prophecy happening <laughs> prophecy fulfilling which was you know small hint in the beginning but not in the same vein I was like whole towns remembering like the kings under the mountain from their grandfathers and Mm -hmm. you know do we even believe the dragons existed and suddenly you have Thorin son of Thrain son of Thor king under the mountain I return coming in and (laughs) being like who is this who is this dwarf who is, you know, has only whatever clothes, you know, the I guess cloak and uh, jewels, apparently the elves didn't bother like relieving him of his like gold necklace or stuff. Yeah. Uh but they uh yeah, just like, you know, whatever rags they had in the Elven King just like walk waltzing in. Um uh, so also
3: like what did you guys think of this like sudden introduction of prophecy this far into the book
0: i think narratively it might be weird but contextually it makes sense because it's a human prophecy specific to lake town and the region of like Exdale, so it makes sense that it didn't come up before right it's it's more like local legends than it is it sounds like a more like a local legend that it would be like great lore of the rest of the world so it makes sense it's only introduced now but it also has less weight because it's only introduced now. It's not like the whole travel is based on oh. the prophecies. Like, ah, oh, does so it just collide almost by accident?
1: Uh, I I think there I mean I think there is a certain amount of mythic significance that's like prop starting to prop up Thorne that we're seeing here. But I also feel the majority of it is actually just makes me feel that the uh, townspeople are actually kind of a bit stupid. Um.
3: Yeah, well, I feel like it's a really valid question of, like, does this just cast Lake Town as a bunch of gullible dupes?
1: <laughs> Excepting like, the master and the grim-voiced man.
2: The interesting thing... I found about this is this is our first,, uh, as far as I remember, our first introduction to humans and and men and and this idea of prophecy being linked to to men in this book. Does that make men gullible? Um Ooh, that's a good point.
3: I don't think we have met humans before.
1: I mean, there's Bayorn who is kind of human. Yeah. I mean the um, humans
0: have been mentioned before because they have to cross. Like we know they cross, but yeah. it's not I, I think it's vaguely it um, might have been mentioned that there are people living here, but they're not mentioned. As opposed to the,
1: like prophecy, there's a there's a small there's an argument to be made about uh uh the um the 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 door riddle, the moon letters. Because that is couched in a kind of prophetic it's not about certain people but it's about when when the door can be opened
0: that's fair
1: right um the thrush knocking and stuff that's prophetic but so there's but it's a very le- it's a very less the type of the kind of prophecy it is is very different from all this like <laughs> the lord of silver fountains um, um uh, yeah. stuff so
0: go back to to Katie's point of like we haven't seen humans before. like it's it's probably a good note. I think it might have been mentioned around beyond like his neighbors as like like or a little bit before when like the goblins are like planning an attack so like humans are mentioned but they are not met. If that makes sense. And the other time they would have met humans but they're not really mentioned it's just like quickly passed over is when they go through Brie like it's not even mentioned as Brie, it's just they leave the shire and then they go into the wild it's like two lines, it's really short um, so yeah it's Definitely the most of humans that we've seen, like the most developed human situation that we've seen. And I don't feel it makes them gullible. Um,
1: I can think of one instance where humans are are ex, uh, explicitly mentioned about being kind of dumb and stupid. And it's the, pro- it's the very beginning of the book, because they're talking about hobbits and how they can hide from big, stupid people like us <laughs> hiding around <laughs> and sneaking off when they hear us bumbling along. So it is not... I mean, that might also be a more, like, you know, modern people might be more stupid <laughs> than that, but uh, the gullibleness of humans is, might not be uh, a wholly new thing being introduced, <laughs> even if it is only being applied to characters right now. Yeah. Like,
0: it's weird because, like, I think like what struck me is that the town goes from oh no there's no dragon anymore That's like, the story of the dwarves is like a long time ago. It's probably just legends and like people like just sayings and stuff. It doesn't it's not reality. But um as soon as the dwarf shows up with um, claiming to be Story in the descendant of the Dwarven kings um, They believe him But they've shown sort of like I don't know, rejection of those legends before so it's like It, it sounds more like it's something along the line of well What kind of dwarf would like take the time and pain to come here just to bullshit us they must have something that's kind of at least half true in that i don't know well it also introduces the
3: idea that non-humans are inherently magical in some way which does go back to concerning hobbits and does maybe link the lake town folk to quote unquote us like the idea that the dwarves are inherently magical seeing a dwarf is like seeing a dragon like a creature out of legend and so it's interesting because that hobbits are also introduced to the reader as creatures of legend and in a way like it it does sort of bridge the gap a little bit between the implied reader and the um, the folk of Lake Town.
0: my brain is shutting down, so I don't have much thoughts, uh, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, I'm kind of curious about Lake Town, because it seems very isolated, but kind of thriving for it's isolation? Or maybe it's just in comparison to what they've been into before that makes uh, Lake Town seem super cool. I don't know.
1: I mean, yeah, we don't get much. I mean, we know, at least to the north of it, there's not a lot. Um, but I mean, I guess we know there's thriving trade between them and the uh, and of uh, Mirkwood. And there's a mention of, like, trade heading north and them being kind of like a way station, yeah. which is surprising to me, at least, you know, thinking of the, like, of the greater Middle Earth map, because there's not a huge, there's not a whole lot north of them with, like, I don't know, the, the like, the Iron Hills are up there. So, like, maybe that. And if you take uh Darwinian as being um on the Sea of Rune, that would be same latitude, but very far east of them. So it would be at least be on like direct route uh you know from Mirkwood through, you know, Lake Town and Esgr- slash Esgroth slash to to them. Um But yeah, there's very much a kind of like it's a way it's a way station and a much more just a small community. Okay. I did feel actually the the mention of the kind of the rotting city um that we you know know as Esgaroth, kind of beneath kind of you know sticking up out of the water.
0: Hmm.
1: Not sh- I'm not actually sure when in like in my I feel like in my head canon that's probably from the de- like the destruction of the dragon, but I don't actually know if that's the case or if that's just a really old town that got swallowed up by the lake at some point. Um, but I can't recall a certain reference of when Esgroth it, it gets destroyed. Um,
0: I mean, the notes do say that, um, where is it? The history of this greater town that Lake Town is built on was not chronicled by J.R.R. Tolkien, so it's okay. a bit like left to yeah. fan hand cannons and and whatnot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, because like I guess when when they're talking about like north-south trade the fact that like you know Dale used to exist so when Dale was around but it's been a, quite a while since yeah. that's been a while and there's even mentioned like because you know things are changing in this region of the world even so that like Gandalf Gandalf's information is out of date mm-hmm. um, from what he had last heard uh, about here and actually, yeah, we get that mentioned in this chapter, which is like yeah, Bilbo's luck. Bilbo has so much mentioned luck in the in these chapters about how he they got out of Mirkwood, and how like yes, we went to the Elven King's halls by being captured, and it's like, well, the river out of the Elven King's halls is the only safe route mm-hmm. out of Mirkwood on this side anymore so it's like definitely feel you know we we both get the it's kind of interesting because we get like extreme mentions of providence Mm -hmm. and like things meaning or supposedly like meant to happen or luck really strong luck being with bilbo at the same point as we are getting emphasized a kind of like prophetic um, homecoming of the Dwarves. Even if Bilbo isn't mentioned and it's the wrong dwarf, it's like that's fine. Um, but the kind of this is a a culmination of things are supposed. Something is means for this to happen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is a, a kind of interesting confluence all in this kind of one section of the of the book. Yeah. a <laughs> couple interesting notes i had in this chapter uh the song i mean it's cool um the, there's a certain amount um like this this song is very uh uplifting and like oh things are going to be great now mm-hmm. I still do not get what, I don't quite get what the uplifting uh, meaning is supposed to be on the line, the lake shall shine and burn. I'm assuming, like, burn as in, like, burnished with gold? I mean... But there's a certain amount of, like, the, the irony of that line is so strong that I have, like... Like, because it will shine and burn, because literally a dragon's got to set it on fire, <laughs> and that you know. But that's the whole the context of the entire song is not to be tragic; it is supposed to be uplifting. Um, you so,
0: could interpret that as the lake shore is going to be full of a bonfire of celebration, and that will reflect in the lake and make yeah. it look like it's burning. Um, also, just needed the rhyme, and that's the first thing they came up with. Um,
1: or it's a prophecy, and they haven't read the prophecy properly, realizing that there's going to be a lot of, you know, there might not be, it might not be all good things for the moment. It
0: could be. It could be. Um, that, you know who prophecies are. You only focus on what you like and um the what you don't like bites you in the back in the bed eventually
2: uh-huh.
0: also like this time in the city kind of makes me wonder how much time has passed because from a dwarf perspective it's a three generation thing right there was thor and then he got housed right. by the dragon so it was supposed to be Thryan and then thorin came in right but here this is like the stories are like old wives stories and stuff like that but um there's also like It seems, and I might be wrong, it seems that there's no one left alive who has known the time when the dwarf lived nearby, so it's it's safe to say that it's been over a hundred years of dragon apparition.
2: This
3: came up the last time we studied The Hobbit, and it's like, it's kind of utterly wild because bard is the grandson of gyrian gyrian was lord of dale when the dragon came so if gyrian's grandson is a grown man there should be people who remember there should be like old grandparents who were young who literally saw the dragon (laughs)
1: I, i'm pretty sure that there are this this chapter does mention that okay that some of the that I, I, I need to find i'll find the line there's a mention that some of the gray beards talk about that but the young people some of the young people don't believe that the dragon even exists
3: gotcha
0: okay yeah. so yeah
1: um but yes there's a yes so i believe there are mentions of the old oh
0: yeah 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 i have it it's, okay it's um when the guards are like stopping the dwarves, they explain why they're like kind of not really on the guard. Some of the younger people in the town openly doubted the, ex- the existence of any dragon in the mountain and laughed at the graybeards and gammers who said that they had seen him flying in the sky in their young days.
1: So, yeah, yeah you're right. I, it's, it's, I, I, yeah. I
0: overestimated the time.
1: No, I know the movie p- places it at 60 years. I'm not sure if, I'm, they probably took that from, like, the books, but I'd have to, actually, no, I'll turn it around. Tale of yours, let's go. Woo. <laughs> I had this. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: But yeah, I think it might have been, like, some wording for other things that confused me and I interpreted it as a...
1: Um... Okay, let's see. Okay, two nine forty two is when Bilbo returns from the Shire. So sixty years. Hmm. Come on, where are you, Smoke?
0: Yeah, I got confused.
1: It's actually not yeah. that long. Mm. See, in the Tale of Years, it, there's like a. Okay, 2790 says Thor was slain by Orc and Moria. So that's like 150 years from the Battle of Azanobazar, which is after the dragon attack. <laughs> So I don't know. Haven't found don't see... Oh, here we go. Two seven seventy to uh two nine four one. So a hundred yeah, a hundred and forty years. Do so either men are very long lived? <laughs> or that's been retconned
0: yeah could be both could be both uh, could be like <laughs> one Dunedain came by and had maybe,
1: like maybe, 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 maybe there's like two dunadine living amongst them who were that young <laughs> yeah, who were really young when the dragon attacked
0: there's was like one dunadine living with them and another one came by and had like an affair Discreetly it's like, yeah, no, right. that's
3: why it's a kid. It's not- um Josh pointed out that the last time the dragon was seen doesn't have to be when it came into the mountain.
1: That's that it's is
3: explain why no one in living memory has seen dwarves, but people in living memory have right. seen dragons. That's- um and I think that might be supported by evidence in later chapters when it talks about yes. how Smaug hasn't left for a long time, but he when he crawled in, he was a lot smaller.
1: Right. No, yes, because there are right. Sense. Actually that's a, that's one one difference that I remember the movie making, because the movie shuts the door behind Smaug, so there's no front gate. The book that's not true. You can go through the front gate all you want, but Smaug will probably eat you is the is the prevailing wisdom. Um because he does he has flown out in the past and raided sheep and such. That
2: there. makes sense. That makes
1: sense. Yes. So okay, so the attack has been a hundred and you know, forty years or whatever, but yes, Smaug has not been seen for a very long time. Or for less and than that.
0: Maybe Bart's grandfather was like a really old father when he and then his child was like yeah. very, 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 very young when he died. And then like he had an he had his own child very 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 late in life and that makes hundred and forty years.
1: Or he was a lord and had a lot of kids because that's what you need when you're a medieval lord
0: yeah but like but i mean like for like the grandpa, yes father like even if that means like several kids before it's still like
1: yes
0: The young i'm saying if he's the
1: last young. the you know yeah could have had kids like...
0: maybe the youngest of a, a, a lot yes. that could also be that yeah
1: <laughs> reading a children's book for far too much detail woo
0: I mean, we have to talk for two hours. We we do have to like go into the details.
1: Um, I did notice uh, we do get the first like visual note of the lonely mountain at the beginning of this chapter when Belvo sees it for the first time. Yeah, which is and very cool.
0: He remembers it along the time every time, like, mm-hmm. like not every time, but like it's mentioned when like the dwarves, like particularly when the dwarves are really cheery about going again. Like Billbo is like, Yeah, but the mountain's super scary guys. You went in barrels, you didn't see it, but it's so scary. It's like alone and there's a dragon in it. Um Yes, that's uh where like the little note on like the typo errors that escaped detection until nineteen sixty six is. Um, about the dwarves' good feeling Uh, as he said, the dwarves' good feeling towards the little hobbit grew stronger every day apparently the apostrophe, the possessive apostrophe of dwarves' good feeling was missing until 1966 and I'm like, that's a brave typo that survived almost 30 years in one of Tolkien's books he must have been really mad when he found it but yes that's uh the kind of annotation i have there in the book it's great i love it and the next annotation just after like the little typo note is um how the master and his counselors uh, could have been inspired by the mayor incorporation in Robert Browning's poem, The Pied Piper of Hamelin. And how much Tolkien hated this poem, because um, it was a terrible presage of the most vulgar elements in Disney. And it failed Tolkien, even as a child. When he could not yet distinguish the shallow vulgarity of Browning from the general grown uppishness of things that he was expected to like. <laughs> I just love when Tolkien gets mad at things, he's really polite about it, but also very savage. Um. Do we want to talk more about the mountain or like this presage of the mountain or do we want to wait for next time, not next week, since it's gonna be really week to talk about the mountain?
2: Um I think it's really interesting that it makes such an impression on on Bilbo. Um and I guess he doesn't have like he knows the tale of, of the dwarves and what it means to them, but he doesn't have that personal connection that the dwarves seem to, which is likely why they don't have that same that same feeling. And I suppose he's smaller than than them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was interesting that something as like natural as a mountain could could have such an impression.
0: Okay does leave a mark in. Eh? But it also like doesn't describe it much. I mean just a little just a little bit. It's um let's see. And far away its dark head in a torn cloud, there loom the mountain. Its nearest neighbours to the northeast and the tumbled land that joined it to them could not be seen. All alone it rose and looked across the marshes to the forest. The lonely mountain. Bitbo had come far and through many adventures to see it, and now he did and now he did not like the look of it in the least. It's like just like not really detailed compared to what Tolkien can do for like as far as landscape but it's just enough like it's like a few brushes to tell you that's the end goal and that's what's striking for Bilbo when he sees it for the first time. It's dark, it's alone, it's beyond marshes and he doesn't like it. It's looming. There's a lot packed in three sentences.
2: It it personifies it, doesn't it? It capitalizes mountain, as it looked, it was alone. Yeah. yeah.
0: It has a dark head
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and the neighbors. But yeah, it makes the mountain like a character, but an evil one, almost, or at least an antagonistic one. A dangerous one. And it's partially due to the fact there's a dragon inside, but... Could also simply be... the mountain itself is terrifying. It's it's a bit early, but that's basically uh, all I have to say. Um, There's a bit of um, mi- a mention in the annotation of uh, Bilbo's speech at his birthday party in The Lord of the Ring, and apparently Yes, we were talking about dates. That's another thing. Apparently they arrived to the city on September 22nd, because it's Bilbo's birthday, but he forgot about it because he was kind of out of a crazy time. So we have one more date to figure out how long they did stay in, in Mercwood, but yeah <coughs> yeah so like but at the same time the notes points out that in the speech he says that, The first banquet where he's going to, like the the, the welcoming banquet, uh, he had a bad cold and could only say thank you very much. Um, But in the hobbits itself, he actually cannot go to the banquets until three days later when he's finally a bit better. And a bit less sick to, to attend. So, kind of hints already to the fact that Billboard is not necessarily a reliable narrator. He kind of forgets his own stories and adventures for the sake of flirting. I mean,
1: it's for three days he sneezed and coughed. And we're not good, but even after that, his speeches at banquets were limited to "thank you very much."
0: Yeah, yeah, no, like I, it's just that he mixed the thing together, right? Yeah, no. That's what that what the note is saying. Because, like in his in his um, birthday speech in fellowship, apparently he says that the first banquet when like Thorin is uh welcome in the city for the first time, he was there, like Bilbo was there alongside him. But in the Hobbit it's not until three days later that he has he is actually there with with throwing in the walls.
1: Uh he's given a seat that night, so I don't think he's wrong. Uh it's it's fine, but it's also, you know, sixty years.
0: I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, I mean, I, I have a grandpa who's the same, like, uh, yeah. the story <laughs> needs to be good. You're, like, gonna drop some details. Was it two days or three days after? I'm not sure. Does it matter much? No, you want a good story. It's not a history book. It's just a story. I think that's, that's also that, right?
1: yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Little jokes? I, I, I uh, was abused by uh, uh, the Elven King's uh, response when he gets news back of what happened and who the dwarves are. It's like, well, okay. That probably come to nothing. They can't be going to kill the dragon. That'd be silly. They're probably burglaring him. But if any gold tries to come back through Merkwood, um, you know, yeah, I'll have something to say about that.
0: Yep. He's like, well, that's out of my jurisdiction now.
1: No, I am. Um, the uh, that and also um i guess from actually the previous chapter i forgot to mention it earlier i find it really hilarious the doors being like oh no if the elven king is like brought into this and we have to like give up some of our treasure then we'll lose some like our 14th share won't be a 14th share anymore and we'll have less money and it's like how much gold do you need (laughs) In a lifetime, like I one mean, fourteenth of all the gold in Erebor, you're ridiculous if you think you could have all that in a lifetime. <laughs> you could.
0: By Jeff Bezos, and he's been like telling them how much money that you need to to be uh, It's. You know. I mean, yeah.
1: The. Besides the preposterousness of the burglary scheme at all, um, which will come to light in a few weeks of that's really a stupid plan. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, just... <laughs> but I, I find it even funnier. I mean, yeah, it, it hasn't come up yet. Smaug will make it very clear that, seriously, if you tried to steal all this, how long would that take you? <laughs> Where's the carts and baggage? Um. But, so, yes. Uh Stealing the money is a bad plan, but the Elven King is like, well, it's a better plan than trying to kill the dragon. <laughs> so I don't know how smart that makes the Elven King, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> um Yeah. I know it's it's humorous, especially in hindsight. Um mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and that's no, kinda of no. almost
0: go ahead,
2: sorry. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's kind of mentioned or hinted at a little bit too uh when it says that you know, uh, which shows he was a wise elf and wiser than the men of the town, though not quite right, as we shall see in the end. So the narrator knows even more than either the man or the elf. <laughs> yep.
0: I, I really like this. Um, it's not the first time in the whole book where, like, um, you have the narrator being, like, yeah so the things is stealthy let me tell you what's actually happening you know they have this uh step back and like look in the future kind of uh notes and it's really fun like just for like comedy purposes